Hey there, friends. Sorry it's been a while. Um, Work's been kind of crazy. The world's been kind of crazy. But you know that. You're in it. So um, this episode is about the movie The Purge. So if you haven't seen that movie, please stop. Go watch it. I'm talking about the original one because I know that um, The Purge has kind of turned into this franchise kind of anthology type thing there's a tv show which is pretty good too i would i would recommend it um but this, we're talking about the original the 2013 film um the one with ethan hawk and um we're gonna go into a, a few things here one we always do some kind of fitness type thing we're also doing some mental fitness type thing but we also need to discuss sort of what the difference is between a dystopian movie or book or a utopian movie or book. So in general, The Purge is thought of as a dystopian movie, but when I had um, rewatched it, because I always rewatch the movies before I make a podcast for them, because there's a lot of things sort of you forget. And also if you're just in a different mind frame, um, it's good to rewatch things. You know, I think a lot of people just sort of watched The Purge and, and, and enjoyed it for what it was prior to the world being as uh, bananas shit crazy as it is right now. Um, so once again, this movie was made in 2013. I don't even remember 2013, only because we've been living through, you know, one global event after another. Um, we haven't gotten notice of it yet. Monkeypox is making its comeback. Um, COVID is still here. People are still getting it. Um, thankfully the hospitalizations aren't as bad as they were, but still we don't really know what the, um, long-term effects of having COVID, um, are going to be in 20, 30 years. You know, is it going to be like, you know, those commercials we used to see when we were kids? It's like, if you were ever exposed to asbestos or you have mesothelioma or whatever it is, like, are we going to have COVID commercials? Um, Sidebar, I have had, um, I did get COVID and I did have to get put on um, some antivirals and things like that because of the MS. Basically, that saved my life. So I'm thankful to modern medicine. I am vaccinated and boosted. Um, you know, but I still, I have like this weird lingering long-term symptom and uh, it's kind of a bizarre one. I had to sort of do a deep dive into what that was about because I thought it might've been MS. Um, because we, you know, I get a lot of anyone who has an autoimmune disease, we get a lot of weird, um, symptoms of things and it's never really easily describable sometimes you know with ms i get numbness and tingling and and things like that so i wouldn't say i'm i'm used to it but but i tolerate it so you know when something new pops up i just think to myself oh shit is am i getting worse um but this symptom actually i'd read it happens in a small amount of people is um it's kind of like having small electrical shocks randomly happen it mostly happens on my back 
Um, it's kind of like um, if you were ever a stupid kid and put a nine volt battery on your tongue, you know, I feel like kids nowadays don't realize how bored we were, but um, it's kind of that feeling. And it's not brought on by anything. The other day I was kind of just walking around the house and, and dusting a bit and doing some light housework and all of a sudden that happened. And it stays for a minute or two and then disappears. So, you know, I don't know what that means. Um, so that being said, you know, stay safe and um, I recommend wearing a mask and getting all your shots, do whatever you're going to do, but also be really respectful of the fact of people who are wearing masks, if you're going to be one of those people, um, don't be a dick. I think that's basically the, my motto for life is, um, don't be a dick. So anyway, back to the, the purge. Um, so this movie was made in 2013, but the movie itself takes place in 2022, which, um, I had forgotten about. And I was like, oh, that's cre It's more creepy now to watch it, knowing that it takes place in 2022. So basically, the gist of it is, um, is that the United States is in this sort of totalitarian regime. Like this, this political party is called the New Founding Fathers of America. Um, after there's been a massive economic collapse. So they sanction this law that says one night a year, all crime is legal and um, like all the emergency services are suspended. So there's no cops, there's no, there's no ambulances, there's no um, hospitals, things like that. And for that one night a year, you can pretty much get away with pretty much anything. They, they put this little thing on the screen that says like, when the purge begins, it tells you like the stipulations, like you can have a class four or below um, weapon, which is ridiculous. And, um, but what they found is that, well, what they say, what they say is that because of the purge, having this one time a year where people can just um, go crazy has led to a virtually crime-free um, and a society where there's like 1% unemployment, which, um, remember this is a movie. We've never experienced a society that was crime-free or had an unemployment rate of 1%. So this, this movie follows, um, James Sadden. And, uh, basically we kind of follow him through like going back home the the afternoon of the purge and um he lives in this really nice sort of like super wealthy gated community um he's got a wife and kids he actually is the guy who um sells security systems to keep people safe during the purge um so you know, it's, it's a very elaborate sort of computer system and like cameras and gates and, and things like that, that would keep them relatively safe that their children are teenagers. So clearly the system has kept them safe for a while. Um, the problem is, is that at some point their son, um, I believe his name was Charlie 
little bit of a weird kid in the sense that, you know, like he, he made this like robot thing. Um, you know, like the, they have the race cars that have the thing. He, he must've like glued like a baby head to it. It's just, it's all around creepy. I'm all for kids getting into like STEM and like doing cool shit and, and making stuff. But I'm, I'm, I really hate dolls. Like, guys, I really hate dolls. Like, those little infant dolls where the eyes go. Or, like, when you, like, tip them over, they make that weird mama sound. I fucking hate that. They're the creepiest. Or, like, old Victorian dolls. I don't like any of that. And his doll looks like it's been through the ringer of life. And he's, like, moving this thing around the house. And he's programmed it to, like, uh, have a cam on it, a, a webcam or something on it. And he wears these glasses. And so, super smart kid but very, very, very empathetic and really does not like the purge um, and is very disgusted by it. Whereas the parents are kind of like, this is what we have to do. This is the way it is. Um, the teenage girl, Zoe, is a teenager, so she just all around um, hates everything in general. It turns into this just shit show where I guess Zoe's boyfriend uh, snuck back into the house right before Purge locked down and was actually locked down in the house with the, with the family. And um, he told Zoe that he just wanted to talk to the dad, James. But because I guess the parents don't want him dating the daughter because he's, he's a bit older. He's like 18. I don't know how old she is. Um, so he tells Zoe, I'm just, I want to talk to your dad and in this way, like he has to, cause he's not going to like put me out because it's the purge. Like we're going to talk, which is insanity because like you could talk to him any other day. Um, you don't have to be locked in with people for 12 hours, you know? Um, but come to find out that's really not what he's there to do. Um, and at some point, Charlie is watching. They're in like this um, command center room. They don't necessarily have to be in that room. For some reason, I thought they kind of locked down in like a panic room. Um, but it's just where all the monitors are. And uh, he notices that there's this guy being chased and he gets to the door and he starts banging, begging for them to, for him, for them to let him in. And Charlie feels bad for this guy and decides to open the gates and let him in. And do I understand it? Yes. Especially from a boy who seems to be very sensitive and sort of empathetic and really is not about this life, but also comes from a ton of privilege. This kid has a nice life and you're letting a stranger in on the one night a year where anything goes. Um, so I'm torn about that situation. Anyway, he lets him in, turns into a shit show because then uh, the boyfriend, I think it's Henry, Henry or Harry? Um, Henry, that's who it is, Henry, basically goes, hey, Mr. Stanton, and then shoots him or shoots at him. Um, he doesn't shoot him. He shoots at him. And then uh, the father ends up having to shoot Henry. And it turns into not being able to find Zoe. 
and this whole big thing. The creepy part that happens that I think everyone sort of remembers from the movie is when these sort of masked, um, I, I assume they're college age kids, um, show up with these like just creepy face mask and they're like it's funny when you watch it on like amazon i told you guys like it shows up as like you can like click on the side and see all the whatever so the the leader of it is actually called the polite leader because he is very polite and he's basically saying mr stanton um you have let in our target and uh we don't want to hurt you because we're from the same type of people but you need to release him to us. So it turns into trying to make the decision of whether or not they're going to... The son, of course, doesn't want him to be let go, and they seem to think that the security system... Well, James does, seems to think that the security system is pretty much flawless. His wife basically says, is this is this going to save us? And he goes, well, it works 99% of the time. Um, but, you know, nothing is completely foolproof. So it turns into this homeless guy, essentially, homeless vet, um, hiding in the house, Charlie trying to help him, Zoe has disappeared, um, Henry is dead, and these masked, crazed uh, teenagers are saying to them, we're going to get in. Our equipment's going to be here soon, so you, you need to let us have him or we're coming in and we're, we're getting all of you. So, um, they try to get the homeless guy out, but I guess there's some kind of moment where they're like, no, um, the gang of creepy teenagers does get into the house, a fight ensues. I mean, there's so many things that go on in this movie that I, when I watched it the second time, I noticed, um, a lot more, um, like when Mary is sort of outside, they have to put these flowers out to represent the purge. They're like these blue flowers. And she meets up with one of her neighbors and the neighbor's like, oh, look at your addition and blah, blah, blah. And you can, like when you first watch it, you're like, man, this, this, this lady's a jealous twat of a human being. And you all live in a nice neighborhood, like calm down. Um, but I guess James has sold that security system to that whole entire neighborhood, um, and has made a lot of money for himself. He's a salesman. Uh, it is what it is. So, you know, at some point the gang comes in, the father does his best, but at, at some point he does get, um, shot and the creepy polite leader is about to shoot him and their neighbors show up only to uh, shoot the polite leader and then um, to take the family hostage because they had planned on killing them themselves out of jealousy. So here's the thing. Um, it's hard to discern whether or not you should consider this a dystopian movie or a utopian movie. We're gonna get into that for a little bit before we get into the differences in classes and what you can do to protect yourself and how to stay 
relatively uh, healthy for these types of things. But so here's the difference. And, and if you haven't read some of these books, I do recommend them. Um, the, the first time the term utopia is ever used was from Sir Thomas's Moore, Sir Thomas More's book, Utopia. Um, and I, I highly recommend it, but essentially utopia means like a society that is ideal. It's perfect. What you find out when you read utopian uh, novels and, and literature is that usually it's perfect for most people, but for some people, it's not going to be because there has to be some semblance of inequality for a utopia to work. Um, a dystopia is the complete opposite, where it's in complete chaos. So you could say that this family um, living in this sort of affluent um, area, the, the Sandins, they're living in a utopia. They're making money off of the purge. They're living a nice life. Their kids go to what seems like private school. They have a beautiful home. Um, so for them, the purge seems like a good thing. Where it turns into a dystopia is for anyone else who doesn't have the means to live like them. So what you'll notice is if you watch any of the other Purge movies, um, there's the one that's like the prequel that shows like the first Purge, um, which is, is, it's so cheesy, but it's, it's, I mean, it's worth it. Um, for everyone else, it's a dystopia. So for this homeless vet who doesn't have a home to protect or the means to protect himself, he's in complete chaos. So first off, he's in complete chaos anyway. Nobody wants to be homeless. Nobody wants to be, you know, living a really rough form of life. Um, so his life's already in chaos for all the days of the year. It's just for this one day of the year. It's like he's completely unsafe. Um, so for him, it's a dystopia. So it's important to try to look at it from those two points of view. Really look at it, you know, um, that it can mean different things for different people. You know, people would always joke around when they watch The Purge, like, and just say like, oh, would you go out and purge? Would you go out and kill people? Um, probably not. I, I don't know. I, that's a hard thing to just say flippantly. I do like the one Purge movie where it focuses on the people who they like to steal money like that's that's what I would do like I don't know I would I'd be paying off mortgages of friends like I, I don't know I'd be I'd be living rent free changing shit in the leasing office now there's nothing you can do about it you know like there's like you know you have to I don't know just to, to kill someone and to get away with it I'd rather steal things um than than do that but what you see in here is the way that the ultra wealthy sort of look at it as a utopia is that everything is very calm ordered to them it seems fair and it's for them to let out this sort of rage 
um, in order to stay calm for the rest of the year. But here's the main difference in terms of utopia and dystopia, in terms of government. In general, and I'm getting this from, there's a website called ask, askanydifference.com where you could just do compare and contrast on things. And so, generally speaking, in a utopia, it's not controlled by a constructed government system. This clearly is. And a lot of them are. 1984 or, you know, uh, Fahrenheit, all that. Like, there's a government there. Um, in a dystopia, it's usually by a tyrannical government that keeps citizens under constant surveillance. And you find that in one of the other um, Purge movies. Um, I should really look up the other ones and maybe do like a whole series on just the Purge movies. Some of them were really good. Some of them were okay. Um, but a dystopian government is usually very tyrannical and keeps an eye on people. And what you find out in one of the Purge movies is that they actually have a whole system kind of like um, the, was it the NSA where people are monitoring all these cameras because if they catch anyone doing anything after the 12 hours, those people are immediately given felonies and sent to jail. Um, you know, so what you notice in this movie is that most more times than not, everything looks really good for the people who are on the upper scale of society. Um, for the rest of the people, not so much. So you have to, to realize that in order for them to have these security systems, they would have to be well above, I mean, well above middle class. I'm not even middle class. I don't think middle classes would be able to afford any of this stuff. Um, which when you look at it from that point of view, most of us are living middle or below in the United States. It's very rare we meet anyone who's making triple digits and like living this kind of life. Um, so for us, it'd be really hard to just shelter down in our house and wait it all out, which is what essentially the Stanjins originally wanted to do. Um, so to try to look at it from that point of view. Now, what can you do fitness-wise? This super, super varies. Because if you notice what is happening in this movie, everything is allowed. So we're going to get into what some of those like class 4 weapons are and, and, and whatnot. Um, to let you know what you sort of would be up against in this very, very fake movie. Um, because... When it comes down to it, you're talking about people who have waited all year long to unleash some kind of hell on their neighbors or their boss or whatever the case may be. Um, and if they have enough money, they can get enough firepower to wreak a lot of havoc. Hey there, friends. Sorry it's been a while. Um, work's been kind of crazy. The world's been kind of crazy. But you know that. You're in it. So um, this episode is about the movie The Purge. So if you haven't seen that movie, please stop 
go watch it. I'm talking about the original one because I know that um, The Purge has kind of turned into this franchise kind of anthology type thing. There's a TV show, which is pretty good too. I would I would recommend it. Um, but this, we're talking about the original, the 2013 film, um, the one with Ethan Hawke. And um, we're going to go into a, a few things here. One, we always do some kind of fitness type thing. We're also doing some mental fitness type thing. But we also need to discuss sort of what the difference is between a dystopian movie or book or a utopian movie or book. So in general, The Purge is thought of as a dystopian movie, but when I had um, rewatched it, because I always rewatch the movies before I make a podcast for them, because there's a lot of things sort of you forget. And also, if you're just in a different mind frame, um, it's good to rewatch things. You know, I think a lot of people just sort of watched The Purge and, and, and enjoyed it for what it was prior to the world being as uh, bananas shit crazy as it is right now. Um, so once again, this movie was made in 2013. I don't even remember 2013, only because we've been living through, you know, one global event after another. Um, we haven't gotten notice of it yet. Monkeypox is making its comeback. Um, COVID is still here. People are still getting it. Um, thankfully the hospitalizations aren't as bad as they were, but still we don't really know what the, um, long-term effects of having COVID, um, are going to be in 20, 30 years. You know, is it going to be like, you know, those commercials we used to see when we were kids, it's like, if you were ever exposed to asbestos or you have mesothelioma or whatever it is, like, are we going to have COVID commercials? Um, sidebar, I have had, um, I did get COVID and I did have to get put on, um, some antivirals and things like that because of the MS. Basically that saved my life. So I'm thankful to modern medicine. I am vaccinated and boosted, um, you know, but I still, I have like this weird lingering long-term symptom and uh, it's kind of a bizarre one. I had to sort of do a deep dive into what that was about because I thought it might've been MS. Um, because we, you know, I get a lot of anyone who has an autoimmune disease, we get a lot of weird, um, symptoms of things and it's never really easily describable sometimes, you know, with MS, I get numbness and tingling and, and things like that. So I wouldn't say I'm, I'm used to it, but, but I tolerate it. So, you know, when something new pops up, I just think to myself, oh shit is, am I getting worse? Um, but this symptom actually I'd read, it happens in a small amount of people is, um, it's kind of like having small electrical shocks randomly happen. It mostly happens on my back. Um, it's kind of like, um, if you were ever a stupid kid and put a nine volt battery on your tongue, you know, I feel like kids nowadays don't realize how bored we were, but, um, it's kind of that feeling and it's not brought on by anything. 
the other day I was kind of just walking around the house and, and dusting a bit and doing some light housework and all of a sudden that happened and it stays for a minute or two and then disappears. So, you know, I don't know what that means. Um, so that being said, you know, stay safe and um, I recommend wearing a mask and getting all your shots, do whatever you're gonna do, but also be really respectful of the fact of people who are wearing masks, if you're gonna be one of those people, um, don't be a dick. I think that's basically the my motto for life is um, don't be a dick. So anyway, back to the, the purge. Um, so this movie was made in 2013, but the movie itself takes place in 2022, which um, I had forgotten about. And I was like, oh, that's cre- it's more creepy now to watch it knowing that it takes place in 2022. So basically, the gist of it is, um, is that the United States is in this sort of totalitarian regime. Like this, this political party is called the New Founding Fathers of America. Um, after there's been a massive economic collapse. So they sanction this law that says one night a year, all climb is legal and um, like all the emergency services are suspended. So there's no cops, there's no, there's no ambulances, there's no um, hospitals, things like that. And for that one night a year, you can pretty much get away with pretty much anything. They, they put this little thing on the screen that says like, when the purge beginning begins, it tells you like the stipulations, like you can have a class four or below um, weapon, which is ridiculous. And, um, but what they found is that, well, what they say, what they say is that because of the purge, having this one time a year where people can just um, go crazy has led to a virtually crime-free um, and a society where there's like 1% unemployment, which, um, remember this is a movie. We've never experienced a society that was crime-free or had an unemployment rate of 1%. So this, this movie follows, um, James Sadden. And, uh, basically we kind of follow him through like going back home the the afternoon of the purge and um he lives in this really nice sort of like super wealthy gated community um he's got a wife and kids he actually is the guy who um sells security systems to keep people safe during the purge um so you know, it's, it's a very elaborate sort of computer system and like cameras and gates and, and things like that, that would keep them relatively safe that their children are teenagers. So clearly the system has kept them safe for a while. Um, the problem is, is that at some point their son, um, I believe his name was Charlie, a little bit of a weird kid in the sense that, you know, like he, he made this like robot thing. Um, you know, like the, they have the race cars that have the thing. He, he must've like glued like a baby head to it. It's just, it's all around creepy. 
I'm all for kids getting into like STEM and like doing cool shit and and making stuff. But I'm I'm I really hate dolls. Like guys, I really hate dolls. Like those little infant dolls where the, the eyes go, or like when you like tip them over, they make that weird mama sound. I fucking hate that. They're the creepiest. Or like old Victorian dolls. I don't like any of that. And his doll looks like it's been through the ringer of life. And he's like moving this thing around the house and he's programmed it to like uh, have a cam on it, a, a webcam or something on it. And he wears these glasses. And so super smart kid, but very, very, very empathetic and really does not like the purge um, and is very disgusted by it. Whereas the parents are kind of like, this is what we have to do. This is the way it is. Um, the teenage girl Zoe is a teenager, so she just all around, um, hates everything in general. It turns into this just shit show where I guess Zoe's boyfriend, uh, snuck back into the house right before purge lockdown and was actually locked down in the house with the, with the family. And, um, he told Zoe that he just wanted to talk to dad James but because I guess the parents don't want him dating the daughter because he's, he's a bit older he's like 18 I don't know how old she is um so he tells Zoe I'm just I want to talk to your dad and in this way like he has to because he's not gonna like put me out because it's the purge like we're gonna talk which is insanity because like you could talk to him any other day um, you don't have to be locked in with people for 12 hours, you know? Um, but come to find out that's really not what he's there to do. Um, and at some point Charlie is watching, they're in like this, um, command center room. They don't necessarily have to be in that room. For some reason, I thought they kind of locked down in like a panic room. Um, but it's just where all the monitors are. And, uh, he notices that there's this guy being chased and he gets to the door and he starts banging, begging for them to, for him, for them to let him in. And Charlie feels bad for this guy and decides to open the gates and let him in. And do I understand it? Yes especially from a boy who seems to be very sensitive and sort of empathetic and really is not about this life, but also comes from a ton of privilege. This kid has a nice life and you're letting a stranger in on the one night a year where anything goes. Um, so I'm torn about that situation. Anyway, he lets him in turns into a shit show because then uh the boyfriend i think it's henry henry or harry um henry that's who it is henry basically goes hey mr stanton and then shoots him or shoots at him um he doesn't shoot him he shoots at him and then uh the father ends up having to shoot henry and it turns into not being able to find zoe and this whole big thing the creepy part that happens that I think everyone sort of remembers from the movie is when these sort of masked, um, I, I assume they're college age kids. Um, 
show up with these like just creepy face mask and they're like it's funny when you watch it on like amazon i told you guys like it shows up as like you can like click on the side and see all the whatever so the the leader of it is actually called the polite leader because he is very polite and he's basically saying mr stanton um you have let in our target and uh we don't want to hurt you because we're from the same type of people but you need to release him to us. So it turns into trying to make the decision of whether or not they're going to, the son of course doesn't want him to be let go. And they seem to think that the security system, well, James does seems to think that the security system is pretty much flawless. His wife basically says, is this, is this gonna save us? And he goes, well, it works 99% of the time. Um, but you know, nothing is completely foolproof. So it turns into this homeless guy, essentially, homeless vet, um, hiding in the house, Charlie trying to help him, Zoe has disappeared, um, Henry is dead, and these masked, crazed uh, teenagers are saying to them, we're gonna get in. Our equipment's gonna be here soon, so you, you need to let us have him or we're coming in and we're, we're getting all of you. So, um, they try to get the homeless guy out, but I guess there's some kind of moment where they're like, no, um, the gang of creepy teenagers does get into the house, a fight ensues. I mean, there's so many things that go on in this movie that I, when I watched it the second time, I noticed, um, a lot more, um, like when Mary is sort of outside, they have to put these flowers out to represent the purge. They're like these blue flowers. And she meets up with one of her neighbors and the neighbor's like, oh, look at your addition and blah, blah, blah. And you can, like when you first watch it, you're like, eh, this, this, this lady's a jealous twat of a human being. You all live in a nice neighborhood, like calm down. Um, but I guess James has sold that security system to that whole entire neighborhood um, and has made a lot of money for himself. He's a salesman. Uh, it is what it is. So, you know, at some point the gang comes in, the father does his best, but at, at some point he does get um, shot and the creepy polite leader is about to shoot him and their neighbors show up only to uh, shoot the polite leader and then um, to take the family hostage because they had planned on killing them themselves out of jealousy. So here's the thing. Um, it's hard to discern whether or not you should consider this a dystopian movie or a utopian movie. We're gonna get into that for a little bit before we get into the differences in classes and what you can do to protect yourself and how to stay relatively uh, healthy for these types of things. But, so here's the difference. And, and if you haven't read some of these books, I do recommend them. Um, the, the first time the term utopia is ever used was 
from Sir Thomas's Moore, Sir Thomas More's book, Utopia. Um, and I, I highly recommend it, but essentially Utopia means like a society that is ideal. It's perfect. What you find out when you read utopian uh, novels and, and literature is that usually it's perfect for most people, but for some people, it's not going to be because there has to be some semblance of inequality for a utopia to work. Um, a dystopia is the complete opposite, where it's in complete chaos. So you could say that this family um, living in this sort of affluent um, area, the, the Sandins, they're living in a utopia. They're making money off of the purge. They're living a nice life. Their kids go to what seems like private school. They have a beautiful home. Um, so for them, the purge seems like a good thing. Where it turns into a dystopia is for anyone else who doesn't have the means to live like them. So what you'll notice is if you watch any of the other Purge movies, um, there's the one that's like the prequel that shows like the first Purge, um, which is, is, it's so cheesy, but it's, it's, I mean, it's worth it. Um, for everyone else, it's a dystopia. So for this homeless vet who doesn't have a home to protect or the means to protect himself, he's in complete chaos. So first off, he's in complete chaos anyway. Nobody wants to be homeless. Nobody wants to be, you know, living a really rough form of life. Um, so his life's already in chaos for all the days of the year. It's just for this one day of the year. It's like he's completely unsafe. Um, so for him, it's a dystopia. So it's important to try to look at it from those two points of view. Really look at it, you know, um, that it can mean different things for different people. You know, people would always joke around when they watch The Purge, like, and just say like, oh, would you go out and purge? Would you go out and kill people? Um, probably not. I, I don't know. I, that's a hard thing to just say flippantly. I do like the One Purge movie where it focuses on the people who they like to steal money. Like that's that's what I would do. Like I don't know. I would. I'd be paying off mortgages of friends. Like I I don't know. I'd be I'd be living rent free, changing shit in the leasing office. Now there's nothing you can do about it. You know. Like there's like you know you have to. I don't know. Just to to kill someone, and to get away with it, I'd rather steal things. Um. Than than do that. But. What you see in here is the way that the ultra wealthy sort of look at it as a utopia is that everything is very calm ordered to them it seems fair and it's for them to let out this sort of rage um in order to stay calm for the rest of the year but here's the main difference in terms of utopia and dystopia in terms of government 
in general, and I'm getting this from, there's a website called ask, askanydifference.com where you can just do compare and contrast on things. And so generally speaking in a utopia, it's not controlled by a constructed government system. This clearly is. And a lot of them are. 1984 or, you know, uh, Fahrenheit, all that. Like, you, there's a government there. Um, in a dystopia, it's usually by a tyrannical government that keeps citizens under constant surveillance. And you find that in one of the other um, Purge movies. Um, I should really look up the other ones and maybe do, like, a whole series on just the Purge movies. Some of them were really good. Some of them were okay. Um... But a dystopian government is usually very tyrannical and keeps an eye on people. And what you find out in one of the Purge movies is that they actually have a whole system kind of like um, the, was it, the NSA, where people are monitoring all these cameras because if they catch anyone doing anything after the 12 hours, those people are immediately given felonies and sent to jail. Um, you know... So, what you notice in this movie is that most, more times than not, everything looks really good for the people who are on the upper scale of society. Um, for the rest of the people, not so much. So you have to, to realize that in order for them to have these security systems, they would have to be well above, I mean, well above middle class. Not even middle class. I don't think middle classes would be able to afford any of this stuff. Um, which when you look at it from that point of view, most of us are living middle or below in the United States. It's very rare we meet anyone who's making triple digits and like living this kind of life. Um, so for us, it'd be really hard to just shelter down in our house and wait it all out, which is what essentially the Stanjins originally wanted to do. Um, so just try to look at it from that point of view. Now, what can you do fitness-wise? This super, super varies, because if you notice what is happening in this movie, everything is allowed. So we're going to get into what some of those like class 4 weapons are and, and, and whatnot. Um, to let you know what you sort of would be up against in this very, very fake movie. Um, because when it comes down to it, you're talking about people who have waited all year long to unleash some kind of hell on their neighbors or their boss or whatever the case may be. Um, and if they have enough money, they can get enough firepower to wreak a lot of havoc. So finding information on class four weapons can get kind of sticky um, because, you know, you have a lot of fandom stuff out there and, you know, Call of Duty type whatever um, websites. In the United States, um, class four weapons would fall under the NFA. So we're going to start off with just discussing sort of like what class one weapons and things like that are. So a class one weapon is a handgun, rifle, shotguns right? 
class two um, handgun, rifle, shotguns, and silencers. So the class one and two, they have to be. So class two has to be made in the United States. Class one can be imported. Um, in order to import it, someone has to have an FFL. That's a whole other thing, like a federal firearms license, right? Class three, short barrel rifles and shotguns, fully automatic rifles, handguns. Um, class four, it's the last and the highest class of, of weapons. Um, so I believe the thing says class four and below. I may have to re, I may have to look it up again, but so you're talking about things like grenades and dynamite and anything that explodes. Um, class four weapons are completely illegal to own. So I don't know how someone would get a class four weapon in the purge. Um, if those 364 days a year, you're supposed to be following the law. So that being said, you're dealing with people who are getting a lot of firepower behind them, like a fully automatic gun. We listen, the United States is lousy with mass shootings. It's, you can believe whatever you want to believe. Um, we don't even have, uh, a lot of these shootings that are taking place with fully automatic rifles. I wouldn't want to see that. It's already bad enough that we have to see this, you know, uh, that whole thing in Texas just happened, um, with the kids and it, that never gets easy for me to see. Um, so that being said, you're dealing with a huge amount of firepower and you're dealing with people who have spent the whole entire year thinking about how they're going to unleash chaos, um, because they think it's their God-given right, um, to purge. And essentially they call it purging because you're purging yourself of that hatred that you have, but also... And the flip side of that, you'd be purging it of people who are less than you. Like these kids who were basically trying to kill a homeless guy simply because he was a homeless guy. They're purging society of the unwanted. Um, so that being said, um, surviving the purge would be really hard, I think, for the majority of Americans. Um, unless you got some kind of uh, government immunity that they talk about where those people are completely off limits, which you see in a couple of the other purge movies. Um, the best bet for surviving the purge would be to sort of hunker down and have a really good security system. Um, but also you'd have to have a huge amount of firepower. If you are stuck outside like this poor homeless guy who clearly served his country. Um, you know, you'd have to have a really good cardiovascular system. You'd have to stay fit constantly because that would be all you had. You know, it's kind of like when you see, like, if you ever watched that show, was it Extreme Preppers or whatever it was, like, where you just see these guys who are just like, really out of shape and talking like mad amounts of shit and they, they're covered in like tactical gear but really they can't get up the stairs and they have like gout 
you know like you, you can't be that person you can't be that person if unless you have huge amounts of money <laughs> and have a great security system and like a and like a security force you know like if you paid people to to watch you um I know that during one of the Purge movies, or it might have been the series, I think it was the series, um, there was like one, one business that stayed open, but they hired like a security system. They were doing um, trades and stuff in other countries, so they would have to work like weird hours. And so they, they had a whole system where they were locked down in this building and they had security systems and they, they signed these um, waivers and things like that. They weren't going to leave the floor. Um, so that being said, you, you have to have a really good cardiovascular system. The other thing that you would have to be really good with is sort of climbing. Um, so really good upper body strength. But I also want to talk about situational awareness because I feel like a lot of people don't have that in general. Um, so situational awareness, I think most want, most people want to pretend they know what's going on all around them at all the time. They don't. A lot of us are on our phone. Um, you know, a lot of us spend a good portion of time sort of blocking out the, the world. If you ever seen someone like, just sort of like walking and using their phone it's kind of like that you, you don't want to be that person when mary first talked to her neighbor you could tell there was a bit she felt a bit weird about it because the neighbor was talking about this um addition or whatever but you could also tell by the way they looked at them that they definitely looked at them in a way, um, like with a bunch of jealousy. So situational awareness is basically using all of your senses to actively know what is going on. So easiest way to do that, put your phone away, look up, don't walk around with your earphones in. I, I had to get on my wife's case uh, a few years ago because she would go running and she would have her, um, your earbuds in and I was like you cannot have both your earbuds in like you have to have one out because you have to be able to hear things whether it's cars or people or whatever um you know if you take away two of your senses you're you're gonna be even less um you want to pay attention to you know your your surroundings in terms of streets and landmarks and things like that um So that being said, her Mary's situational awareness could have been a lot better. Um, but also, it's a it's something that you can practice. Be fully aware of what's going on. Don't be fully entrapped in your own mind and body. Um, in terms of that, because if you did have to run um, or make an escape, you you don't want to just know one way of getting there. So, like I run all the time. Like, you know, um, currently I will be starting to train for another half marathon at the end of this month. So I have a tendency to sort of take the same routes ish. You know, I try to mix it up. 
But what I also try to do is I try to make myself very aware of it. If I could not continue going forward, in what direction could I go to still get roundabout to my home? So the other day I was running and I ended up going behind like uh, one of the shopping plazas because there's like these stairs that lead up to another little area that gets me like across the street from my house, right? So I'm going there and I see a cop car and I was like, that's weird. There's never a cop car back here. So I kind of made like a wide sort of arc around the cop car. First off, I wanted to make sure that if there was a cop in the car that he actually physically saw me, right? I don't need to end up on the news. Um, so I noticed there was no cop in the car. And I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Okay. So I get up the stairs and my interval timer goes off again because I was doing intervals. And so I have to start running. So I start running. I go past this one street and I notice that there's like a utility type uh, work truck, right? That's near like a manhole. And I'm like, oh, okay. They're doing a thing. Then I see another cop car come up that road with its lights on. And I'm like, hmm, now, now it's getting really weird, right? So I'm, I'm still running getting closer and closer to another crosswalk that I have to get to. And um, then I notice there's like a cop car, like it's, it's over like this sort of um, like an like an overhang that goes towards a highway. So like I can see part of the highway and I see a cop car coming up the highway with its lights on. And I'm like, oh shit, shit's going down. And I thought to myself, okay, what if I had to like cut across somewhere else where would I end up? Like I could go all the way down to the left, come back up again, and end up on this other side road. It'd be a bitch because that's like a big hill, but like that's another way to get home. So then I see all these cops running out, right? And they're like going over this like embankment and I'm like, oh shit, like they are chasing somebody. And in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, are they chasing me? Like I don't, you know. So then I start, I pick up the pace a little bit because I'm like, I don't want to be involved in nothing. So I'm picking up the pace. I am now on the road before my actual road. So I am running and I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, if somebody was, if they're going over the embankment, did somebody jump over the embankment to get away and now they're on the highway? That would mean that if they crossed over to their right, hence my left, they would pop out in front of me. And I thought, oh shit, like what if I end up running into whoever they're chasing? I always carry mace, I always have my phone on me, I always do what I just did. I literally kept my eyes to my left as much as humanly possible. Um, you know, I didn't have my headphones on at all at that point. I have those bone conduction ones so I can mostly hear everything because I wanted to hear if I could I wanted to make sure I could hear if anything was sort of popping out in these little stretch of woods that is there. Thankfully, nothing happened. I got home. But that's the kind of situation awareness that you sort of need to be able to survive these types of things. You need to be very aware of what's going on you at all times. And that can be very overwhelming for people who spend most of their time listening to music, watching Netflix, just being overly... Um, I guess sort of like entertained 
or distracted, however you want to look at it. So that's super important. So now we're going to get into some of the specifics. Like I can't tell you what kind of security system to get. I have, you know, a door cam. That's not going to save me in the purge. It's just going to give me a heads up. Um, you know, I live on a third floor walk up. That's helpful. Not all of you want to run all the way up here to kill little old me. Um, but security systems and guns, we're not going to get into that. What we're going to get into is if you were actually stuck outside during the purge and what you would need to survive that. So next up, we're going to go ahead and get into some of the fitness aspects. So I just recorded that whole thing, right? Like not a whole thing. It was like two, three minutes. Um, but my dogs went completely nuts and, uh, so I had to scrap it, but here's the disclaimer. Okay. I am not a doctor. I am not a nutritional specialist. I am not a fitness specialist. I am a former fat girl who lost weight on her own. And before you embark on any fitness trend or thing, please, 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 please go to your doctor, get your labs done, have them check your heart, your cholesterol, all that good stuff. You know, um, ask them, Hey, am I or him or her? Let's not be sexist. Um, Hey, am I okay enough to start whatever plan that you're thinking of and be very specific. You know, I have, um, a really good team of doctors because I have MS and, um, I've kind of spent a good portion of time making sure that these people listen to what I have to say. So you want to make sure that you have a good team behind you, but go to your doc, double check that you're good to go on any of these things. So what I think would work really well for any kind of purge scenario, especially if you're outside, besides having a good cardiovascular, um, backing would be, uh, sprinting, you know, um, so working on that interval wise, but something that you can do at home with relatively little equipment, sometimes not even any equipment at all is, um, hit training, which is high intensity interval training. So what that is, is you basically have these sort of alternating, um, periods of just intense, explosive, as hard as you can go bouts of anaerobic exercise with these sort of brief rest periods. And then you do sort of sets of that. So that could be anything from, you can have kettlebell hit workouts or you can have body weight, um, workouts. The important thing is to be as explosive or as intense as you can be. The good thing is, you can get these done in a relatively short amount of time.